That's it. Well, good morning, everyone. Thankful to be with you today. You know, this week I was praying for you. I spent a lot of time praying for each of you that are here, for those of you that are watching online, and for those that will one day, whether it's through podcasts or streaming, come across this message. And as I was praying for you, this is what the Lord told me. He said that God thinks a lot more of you than you do. That God thinks really, really highly of you. Even when you don't, he thinks highly of you. That God is more interested in you than you are in him. And that's good news, that when my interest, when I get distracted to the right or to the left, when I see a squirrel, that God doesn't, that God stays focused, that God will speak a lot more than will listen, that God is interested in your daily life, that God has more for you than you think you need. That, that even when you get to a place where you feel like you've made it, that you've done some things in life, God says, I still have more for you. That God is a lot better than you can imagine. And that in, in, in a world where we wake up every day and it seems like the news gets worse and worse, no matter where you are on the political spectrum, isn't it funny how people could have two totally different worldviews and they both think things are getting worse? It doesn't matter if you're sitting on the right or the left. Like, it, it, like you just, it just keeps getting, it seems in a world where it seems like everything keeps getting worse, God says, I am better than you can imagine, that I am here with you, that I'm not a concept that was constructed by culture to appease your fears, but that I'm someone to know. And my hope with this series, Mature and Complete, is that it would help us move from a place where we think that God is just a concept, that reading the Bible is just a practice, that prayer is just a spiritual version of meditation, and that we would come to a place where we go, no, no, all of these things are meant to point us to a person. It's not something that we do, it's someone that we know. And, and, and sometimes we struggle to understand that because we live in like this Instagram world. I, I, I thought about staying and, and starting the sermon. I was saying, you know, the problem with Facebook is we would have been here for a long time. Uh, but you, you, some of you that are younger won't remember this in the world before Instagram. Uh, but used to, when you would go on a trip, you go to the lake, you go to a, a, climb a mountain, right? Uh, what you had to do is you had these little disposable cameras. You didn't know what your photos were going to look like. You just rolled and then you took a picture and then you took them down to the Walmart and you had them, you know, uh, uh, processed, developed. Thank you. Uh, it's been a long time. I don't even know what the terms are anymore. Uh, you would have them developed and then like you would, you, like you would if, you were, if you were fancy, if you were a baller, you would do the one hour photo developing and then you would just walk around the store waiting for them to be developed and then you would come and then you would flip through to see what photos you got and then you would put them in a thing called a photo album which is kind of like your Instagram feed but it's a book and you would slide the pictures in and then what you would do is you would take this book to everyone that you knew and you would put it down and you would start flipping through the pages and you go and this this was the sign that was on the path three miles before I got where I wanted to be. And then this was a flower I saw and it was so pretty. And like, and nobody, nobody wanted to see all 473 photos 
Like they, they just were like, okay, can we skip through, you know, can we get to the good stuff? But everybody went through the process, right? Because it wasn't about the photos. They weren't about once you finally got to the summit of the mountain. It was about the journey that, that it took to get there, right? Like philosopher uh, Miley Cyrus said, it, it, it's not about the, the, the getting there. It's not about how fast I get there, right? It's about the climb. Uh, and, and sometimes, don't, don't look it up. Sometimes, definitely don't Google it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we get to a place spiritually where we think like Instagram, spiritual maturity or following Jesus is all about that curated photo, that curated moment, that I'm going to have this curated quiet time where I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to get my maca mocha frappa mcchino uh, out of my fancy you know, ninja thing right there, and I'm going to sit in my little window seat with the sun coming up and the light coming in. There's going to be the golden, and I have the Bible. I'm going to have my 17 different colored pencils, and my house is going to be quiet, and I'm going to listen to some worship music. Like that happens. in 20, Like that only happens on Instagram. It's like once you see it, you're like, that's fake, because I got kids. I know, I know that the moment I wake up to go be with Jesus, my kids want to come be with me. And like, and as if that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a gift when your kids want to interrupt your quiet time. That's a switch, but it's a gift when your kids want to interrupt your quiet time. We think that maturity is this checklist thing. I'm going to get to the summit and have the one curated photo, but it's really like showing all of the all of the photos, the process of getting them developed, all the little things along the way. And what I want for us, as we talked last week about relationships and this week about disciplines, is I want us to see that if we make these things the point, if we make summiting the mountain the point, the summit the point, we will miss the point of our relationship with Jesus. That, that these things relationship with God, with others, and with self, prayer, scripture, generosity. These are good things. They're they're important things. But if we make them the only thing, what will happen is eventually we'll go, you know, I tried that generosity thing, and it didn't really work. You know, I I mean, I tried praying, but I couldn't pray like those good prayers, and and it just didn't really work. I just felt like I was talking to the ceiling. I, I tried reading the Bible, but I just didn't really understand it. It didn't speak to me. I didn't feel anything when we make it all about those things. But you see, the point isn't what we do, those things. The point of those things is to point us to Jesus. The point is so that we cannot have something to do, but that we can come and have someone to know. And that's a more mature and complete faith. And the great thing about it is that no matter how long we've done that, no matter how far we've come, there's always more of Jesus to know. Right? Like no matter how much I know my wife, I always want to know her more. How much more can we know Jesus? You see, J. Oswald Sanders said this, spiritual maturity is simply Christ-likeness. We are as mature as we are like Christ and no more. God's purpose is to produce people who fulfill their humanity and become what God designed for them. You see, we do these things, relationships, 
disciplines so that we can become more like Jesus, so that we know Jesus more and more. And in our words and in our thoughts and in our actions, we begin to look like, act like, think like, talk like, respond like Jesus. That's called sanctification. And that's the purpose of spiritual maturity. And so last week, if you weren't with us, we talked about relationships. And we said that I will become mature and complete when I move from a checklist relationship with God to a dependence relationship with God. We said I become mature and complete when I depend on God. And we said the way that we depend on God is we let go of me, myself, and I. We let go of my way. If you're gripping, you're tripping. We open up our hands and say, God, you can take anything that you want and give me only what I need. That to say, I don't, I'm not going to hold on to my plans to become like you. I'm just going to join in wherever you want me. We said that as we look at relationships with self, that we move from being all about me to not about me. That it's no longer about what's convenient, what is comfortable for me, what my preferences are. Well, I'll, I'll share this later, but when you look at scripture over and over and over again, the, the export, the product of living the Jesus life is dying to self. Like you, you never find a place in scripture where God calls you to be a little bit selfish. So, you know, what's, what, 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 what do I want? It's always, no, 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 not my will, but your will be done. We talked about our relationship with others. We said that I become mature and complete when I move from thinking that other people are optional to when other people are required. That God created you and God created me. And that he created one and he put you and me in each other's lives so that we could help become who God has created us to be. Proverbs 27 and 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I sharpen you and you sharpen me. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you have something that can help me become who God created me to be. And I have something that can help you. We all have a role to play. I can't do your job. You can't do mine. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And we become mature and complete when we recognize that community is not optional. So that was relationships. And today we're going to talk about disciplines, three specific disciplines, prayer, scripture, and generosity. And I hope that you'll take notes this morning because the invitation, so you can see where we're going, the invitation this week that God has for us when it comes to prayer is that we want to go from talking to God to listening for God and hearing from God. That that's the process of becoming mature and complete. That uh, with scripture, that we're going to move from Bible study to Bible doing. <laughs> I don't want to just study the scriptures. I want to go and do the scriptures. With generosity, we're going to move from being generous with my stuff to being generous with my life. And so let's talk about those. Number one this morning... I become mature and complete when I listen for God. When I listen for God. You know, I had a mentor of mine tell me, you know, Mac, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. That's because you ought to listen twice as much as you talk. But sometimes when it comes to prayer, we think prayer is simply talk, 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 talk. 
Let me tell God about everything that's going on in my life. Let me ask God for all of these things like he's some cosmic Santa Claus. I'm going to make my case. God, I've really been trying hard. God, I've really gone out of my way to love this person. They're just unlovable, right? So would you, would you get, could you do something about, and we, we begin to talk, 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 and then we never stop to listen. Now make no mistake, God is patient enough to hear us talk. In fact, God even invites us to, to in our prayers, to let him know what we need. Right? In Philippians 4 and verse 6, here's what scripture says. We're going to skip ahead. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, don't fret or worry. Like when the winds are blowing and the waves are crashing in, when, when, when you just can't turn the news off and your anxiety is getting higher and higher, don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. God invites us to share our concerns with him. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Has anybody ever been there? It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You see, God is A-OK with us taking our prayers to him. We just can't stop there. And when you don't know what to do, it's good to ask God for help. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says that if any of you lack wisdom, if you're in a situation at work or at home or at school or in a relationship and you just don't know what to do, if any of you lack wisdom, let them ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. The Proverbs echo this same idea in Proverbs 2 and verse 6. God gives out wisdom free. It's plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. God doesn't try to hide the truth. And when we pray, we can ask God, God, I need some help. I need to know what to do. But when we ask, we must also listen. Mother Teresa said that God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is at the beginning of prayer. But so often, for many of us, I know for me, listening is the extra credit of prayer. <laughs> like, like if I'm feeling really spiritual, then I will listen. Otherwise, I'm just going to let God know what I need, right? But the idea that, that as we mature... We start to listen, not just speak. Here's what happens. Is all of a sudden, our excuses for why we don't pray, they start to fall by the wayside. Has anybody ever not wanted to pray because it just felt awkward? We can raise your hand. You can be honest. Like, has anybody ever not wanted to pray because it just felt awkward? Or has anybody ever not wanted to pray because they think, you know what? I can't pray as good as fill in the blank. I don't know what to say. I mean, when she prays, I mean, I, like, I feel the spirit. Like, I mean, she, she says something like, how did you know that? You ever have Linda pray for you? Come on. Come on. You're like, how did you? I can't pray like that. So I, 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 I must not be able to pray. Or, or does anybody ever go, you know what? I'm a doer. I don't have time to sit in prayer. I've got to go do for the kingdom. I'm, I'm the tip of the spear for Jesus. And this kind, I've got to go in, do. I don't have time to sit and pray. You see, when we realize that prayer is much more than talking to God, 
but it's hearing from God, we realize that those excuses don't hold up. That, that, that being a Christian that doesn't pray, it, it's like going to a 50 barbecue place, Franklin's Barbecue, best in the biz. It's like going there and going, you know what, Mr. Franklin, I'd like to order some bread and pickles. You're like, I mean, they're going to be good bread and pickles, but you missed the whole point. You could have got bread and pickles at H-E-B. You go to this place because there's something there that only they can do. Get that brisket. Even a vegan can understand how good that is, okay? You, you go there and you go, there's something different. You see, we pray, we listen, because we recognize there's a voice only God can speak. That, that we pray to hear from God so that we can find who we were meant to be. Because when we just talk to God and we don't listen, what happens is we start to listen to other voices. We start to listen to our doubt. We start to listen to our fears. We start to listen to other people. And we let them determine who, how we think about ourselves. We let them determine what we're going to do. We let their wisdom become our wisdom. But you see, when we listen to God, here's what happens. Proverbs 3. Listen for God's voice in everything that you do, where everywhere you go, for he's the one who will keep you on track. When we listen to God's voice, he keeps us on track. Anybody ever get off track? Right? I start listening to cousin and to auntie, and I go to my best friend for advice. And what happens? I get off track. But I listen to God, and I listen for God, and I stay on track. There's this great encounter, great story in the Old Testament um, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's the story of when Samuel uh, heard God's voice for the first time. Do you remember when you heard God's voice for the first time? Do you remember the last time you heard God's voice? In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says this, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I know sometimes I feel like hearing from God is an uncommon thing, especially in my prayer life. When I just talk, 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 it seems like I don't ever hear from God. But one night, Eli was almost blind by now. He had gone to bed and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. When suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied. And what is it? And he got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? But I didn't call you, said Eli. You know, sometimes God calls us, and because we're not used to hearing God's voice, we think it's somebody else. Like, like sometimes God will put something on your heart. He'll speak in a whisper, and you think, well, you know, I, I, did, I did hear so-and-so talk about that the other day. Or you'll be walking through this week and God's going to nudge you in a way and you're going to think, well, you know, I mean, that, that is what Mackie talked about this week. So, so maybe I'm just remembering what Mackie called as if the words I'm speaking are my own. You see, whatever good that you hear this morning is not from me, but it's God speaking through me. That whatever good, like if, you, if there's something that is stirred inside you today, it's not me doing it. 
I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. But it's God speaking through me to you, that God would speak to you. But when we, aren't, we don't listen, when our ears aren't tuned, we sometimes get confused and we think it's somebody else calling us out. He goes to Eli and it happens once more. The Lord calls again uh, Samuel for a second time. He goes back to Eli and Eli says, it wasn't me, go to bed. And then the third time, the Lord called Samuel. Once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, here I am, did you call me? And then Eli realized that it was the Lord that was calling the boy. You know, this week, when you listen to God, you might get to be an Eli for somebody. When you listen to the nudges of God and you're going, God, I just know that you speak and I'm willing to listen. And then when somebody else hears a nudge and they think it's something they saw on TV, they think it's something they read in a self-help book, you can go, no, 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 no. That's God calling you. And you can encourage them. You go, now listen, if you hear it again, it's the Lord. And you say, here I am. And so that's exactly what Samuel does. So he goes back, so he goes back to sleep. And Samuel went back to the, and then a fourth time, God's persistent. God's a never give up kind of God. And so Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. You see, when God calls us, our response is to listen. I wonder, would you tune your ear in prayer to listen for God's voice? Just go, Mac, what does it sound like? Is it a deep, booming voice? I mean, does he put extra syllables in things? I mean, what does God's voice sound like? Here's the good news. is I think that the parameters and the boundaries of what God's voice sounds like are much, much wider than we want to give God credit for. And what I mean by that is that God can give us these nudges, these whispers while you're watching a movie. God can whisper to you through art. I look at a piece of art and I see a brown rectangle. Somebody else looks at a piece of art and goes, man, God is speaking to me. That God can whisper in these moments. You ever have something happen where you just get goosebumps? You're just like, oh, this is something, man, it's gave me goosebumps. It's a whisper. It's a nudge, right? That God can speak to you through nature, right? One of my favorite things to do, uh, one of our traditions is anytime we go to a national park, I have a playlist on Spotify, and it's about 47 different versions of This Is My Father's World, from instrumentals, an old hymn, from instrumentals to new remixes of it. And we listen to that over and over, and my kids just know. Like we're not listening to Wow in the World or Ninjago or any of that. On the, when we drive into the national park, we're going to listen to This Is My Father's World. Because I want them to see, as they see the beauty of nature, I want them to hear the nudges and the whispers of the divine language that God placed on their hearts. And I want them to see right, that when we get afraid, that that's a nudge to go, okay, God, I- I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, it means I'm holding on tight to my way. This is a nudge. God, maybe I might let go. You see, and these nudges are going to come all week long. And the more that we look for them, the more that we'll hear them, the more that we'll see them. And in places we thought that God wanted nothing to do with, we'll see these nudges. It becomes an adventure. 
right? It becomes an excitement. It's like, God, are you going to nudge me around this corner? God, are you going to speak to me here? God, are you going to speak to me in this relationship? It becomes an adventure. E.M. Bounds wrote this. He said, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. I don't have to pray before a meal as a um, obligation. Like, I'm just really thankful that I get to eat. (laughs) Right? But it's a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. You see, when I just talk in my prayer, there's not a lot of rare beauty. But when I listen, then all of a sudden I get opened up to the fullness of God. And so my encouragement for us, if we want to become mature and complete, continue this journey to go from talking to God, not stopping there, it's good, but I want to keep going to where I listen for God, right? Then all of a sudden, like prayer has to stop being just this ritualistic, I put my prayer time here and then I go about. But instead, we have to be on an adventure for the nudges. I'm on a, a, a search mission for the nudges. And when the nudge comes... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop, drop, and roll. Somebody say it with me. Stop, drop, and roll. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to stop, you got to drop, and you got to roll. And look to the other neighbor and say, neighbor, he's talking to you. Okay, here's what I mean. You go, Mackie, what on earth are you talking about? When I feel a nudge, I'm going to stop. Like, I'm not going uh, to explain it away. I'm just going to stop like Samuel. Brother was asleep, got woke up. Hey, Samuel. Oh, Eli, yeah, yeah, I'm going to stop. All right. And then, right, he went to Eli. He stopped what he was doing. He could have kept sleeping. No, nah, that was just a dream. Didn't explain it away. Don't explain away the nudges that God puts in your life. When they come, you stop. And then, you've got a name drop. Okay, work with me, work with me. To go give credit to God in that moment. You're at work this week, right? And a coworker comes up and is sharing about a weekend. Maybe they're sharing about a conversation they have with their parent. They say, you know, I had the best conversation with my dad that I've had in years. Stop. Name drop. Okay, man, let's talk about that. Man, praise God for that moment. Praise God that, you know, God is a God of redemption and of healing and of forgiveness. Like if you can, if you can give credit to God in, in, in a moment after a nudge, right, then all of a sudden what that's doing is that's, that's taking your mind off of the natural and putting it onto the spiritual. And then you just roll with it. Start asking questions. Get interested. Start exploring. Start an investigation. Just go, okay, like, God, where do you want me to go with this? What did Samuel say? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Like, God, wherever you want to go, I'm just going to roll with it. Like, I'm flexible. God, I'm not going to put boundaries on you. These nudges will come this week. It's not a matter of if they will come. It's a matter of if you will stop. If you'll give credit to God for it in that moment. And then roll with it. And when you do, what happens is you start hearing God. And when you start hearing God, you start praying and speaking like God speaks. All of a sudden, you start saying to, some, to somebody, 
Right, what, what did Christy talk about a couple weeks ago? She's like, I, I think you're hip. Like, how'd you know my hip was hurt? I listened to God. I had a nudge. I stopped. I'm gonna give, okay, God, this is you speaking to me. And then I'm going to roll with wherever you want me to go. Got to go to the bathroom. Don't matter. I'm going to stop and pray. That's what she said. She rolled with it, right? <laughs> These nudges will come. And when we respond to them, we'll move in our prayer life from talking to God to listening from God, for God. All right? The second thing, I become mature and complete when I do what the Bible says. When I do what the Bible says, that I want to move from Bible study to Bible Dewey. <laughs> I remember my first class in seminary, uh, the first time. I'm in it the second time now. The first time I was in seminary, we were there. It was an Old Testament class on the, on the Pentateuch. And we were there, and, and the professor for this class was also the dean of Fuller, Texas. So we were all, like, we were geared up. We had our moleskin journals, the new pencils, the new pens. We were dressed up. Like, we were trying to dress to impress. Like, the first day of class, like, we're in it. Like, we weren't those undergrads, 18, where we didn't recognize, like, the, the impact of student loans. Like we were adults and we were paying for it out of pocket. So like, you know what, we're going to take this serious. And we were there. And, uh, one of the questions is like, Hey, any questions you have about seminary, about this journey that you're going to be on? Uh, and one person raised their hand and said, uh, you know, Dr. Dearman, uh, you know, obviously, uh, since we don't have our Greek and Hebrew yet, um, and once we do, uh, we'll read our Bibles in the Greek and Hebrew. Uh, but until then, um, as if that happens, uh, until then, uh, what translation should we use? Like, what's the best translation of the Bible? Without missing a beat, he looked back at this person and said, the one that you'll read. He said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but like, what's ESV or NRSV, you know, I mean, obviously we're not going to listen to the message. I mean, what, what do we want to, he said, the one that you will read. Because the one that you read is the one that will change you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, the word of God is alive and active. That when we read scripture, we're not just opening up a textbook, but we're entering in a conversation with the living God. Lifeway did a 10-year study about spiritual maturity and, and spiritual growth. And they said the number one indicator of spiritual growth amongst Christians is their engagement with scripture. That they engage scripture. That it's not something that the preacher does on Sunday and gives me for a few minutes. But that they would engage with the living word of God each and every day. Friends, can I encourage you? Take time each day. Make time to be in scripture. And can I encourage you, especially if you have children, to break the norm. This is tough for me. Don't read the Bible on this. Put that to the side and go get a physical Bible, right? I got challenged by this, and so I sent my Bible off to get re, uh, recovered. I'm waiting for it to come back. I can't wait. I'm like a kid on Christmas morning. Can't wait for it. Because here's, here's why. Um, when we read Scripture on our phone, and we're doing this, you see that flexibility right there? I did yoga once. Uh, when we read scripture like this, okay, um, our kids can't see any difference between reading scripture and being on Instagram and texting Johnny Joe and scrolling through everything else. They don't see any difference, right? They just see us glued to this. And let's be honest, 
they see us glued to this too much. But when we set this aside and we open up and we have the Bible in our hands, all of a sudden they can see us holding it and writing in it and engaging with it, right? Then they begin to see, wait a minute, maybe this isn't just something that I treat the same as I treat Instagram. This is something different. I want to encourage you, get a Bible and start to read it. And when you do, what you're going to find is, is, is that scripture is good for more than just teaching. Right? We all know uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. We're in on that. But do you know 2 Timothy 3.17? Have you read it? Are you familiar Scripture's not just here to teach us, but verse 17 says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The reason we read the Bible is so that we can become more like Jesus so that we can go and do what Jesus did. You see, God created you on purpose and for a purpose, that there is action for you. There is, there is work that God has created for you to do. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says that for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for our way of life. God has work for you to do. And when we read scripture, it's not just so that we know it, but it's so that we can go and do it. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word, And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We read scripture and we grow in maturity when we go from studying scripture to doing scripture. And so you ask the question, well, how do we do scripture? Well, let's talk, you can write these down. Three ways that we can go from Bible study to Bible doing. Number one, we read and wrestle with scripture. That it's not something that is abstract, or that it's just some subject that we learn about. I, I can learn about history and have a lot of context to my life today. But when I read with scripture and I start to wrestle with it, then all of a sudden I start to go, what does this mean for me today? Not just how can I understand it more, but how does this impact my life today? But when you dive into scripture, here's a simple prayer to pray. It's, it's the prayer Jesus prayed. Uh, It's what Jesus did. And in Luke 24, and I might encourage you, every time you open up the Bible, simply pray this. Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand scriptures. God, when when I open up the Bible today, would you open up my mind so that I can understand scripture? And do you see what happens when I pray that prayer? Now I start to listen for God to speak to me through scripture. You see, I'm not just reading and doing, I'm engaging, I'm listening with, right? Sometimes people can say, well, I just don't know what to read. Do I start at Genesis 1 and go all the way through Revelation? I mean, how do I do it? There's, there's really no, the only wrong way to read scripture is to not read scripture. Um, but, but I'm going to give you a, a resource. It's, it's one that uh, my friend Colton Leonard and I, uh, we started a nonprofit and through it we ran what we called the Mackey Leadership Camp. Um, it was for high school students uh, across the state, and, and it was awesome. We had over 1,000 students and coaches participate in camp this year. It was incredible. Um, but one of the things, if you go to uh, tier1leadership.org uh, slash camp2020, uh, one of the things that you'll see there on the bottom, I, I drew some, some uh, you can't see it, they're actually fighting Texas Aggie maroon arrows, pointing to download uh, daily devotionals. 
And what we put together is a five-month daily devotional that has every day a reflection on a proverb of the day, has seven reflections on a memory verse from the New Testament. Over the course of the year, we highlight 52 New Testament verses to memorize. And for five months, we give you a daily reflection on them. Why? So you can wrestle with it and make it contextual. Not some abstract thought to learn and to remember, but it's something to contextualize. And then we continue on after that five months, give you a proverb of the day, every day of the year. We give you 52 memory verses to read. And we give you a daily reading plan to work through the scriptures in an entire year. It's a resource, right? It's free. Maybe you can use it. Maybe it helps you. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but it's a way. But the point is when I read scripture, what I want to do is I want to wrestle with it. I don't just want to hear it. I want to wrestle so that I can then do it, right? The second resource, uh, the second way that we go from Bible study to Bible doing is that we listen and learn. That when I listen to scripture, I'm not just going to hear it in one ear and out the other, but I'm going to learn it deep in me. Psalm 119 and verse 11, for I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When's the last time you memorized scripture? Be honest with yourself. I'm not putting you down. I want to call you up. Scripture memory is not a vacation Bible school thing. You, you don't graduate out of memorizing Scripture. That this, is, this is as much a part of the everyday life of the Christian. And here's the best tool that I found in 2020 to memorize Scripture. It's an app called the Bible Memory app. Uh, my, uh, my, myself and the group of guys that I live life with, we're using this to memorize the book of James, 108 verses in the midst of crazy life, in the midst of work and family. We're saying, no, it means this much to us. We're going to memorize scripture because I want my children to know how much scripture matters. I want my wife to know how much scripture matters. It's a free app that you can download. They've got a premium version if you want but it's a simple way. It's the best way I've found to memorize scripture. And when we do it, when scripture gets locked in here, as we go and live life, what happens, right, is that it just starts to flow out of us, right? It just starts to come alive in ways that, that we didn't even see when we were memorizing it, right? You want to go from Bible study to Bible Dewey, well, then we just, we have to sacrifice and serve, that as we read scripture, we recognize that scripture always calls us to die to self, that when you find yourself in a moment where you're sacrificing for the good of someone else, when you're serving for someone else, you are doing scripture. You might not know the address. You might not can point to a story, but I can promise if you are sacrificing and serving, you are doing scripture. Whether you're at work or at home, here's what Jesus says in John 13 and verse 34. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. You see, that is at the heart of Scripture. That's the export. That's the product of Scripture, that we would love others. And so when we sacrifice and when we serve, we are doing, we're not just studying. So I become mature and complete when I do what the Bible says. Finally, very quickly, number three, I become mature and complete when I give my life away. And when we think about generosity, often we think about, I, wanna, I, I need to give money, right? Some of us, we, just, we tip Jesus every week. We're walking out, we drop a couple dollar bills, and that's good. I mean, it's, it, we're, we're on a ladder, right? Some of us are on the first rung, some of us are on the 10th, 
that there's always growth. But it's not about the money, right? God is rich. <laughs> God owns everything. God, God doesn't need your money because it's not yours. But it's not, so it's, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about the sense of, I will give my life away. I don't want to be ruled by my money. I don't want to be ruled by my stuff. I want to give my life away. And for some of us, it's easy to be generous with money. It's hard to be generous with time. For others, it's reversed. For some, it's hard to be generous with money, but you can be generous with talents. And you see, maturity calls us to say, it's not about being generous with one thing. It's about being generous with life, with all things, from time and talent and money and whatever you have, that we would be generous with it, that we would never withhold it from someone. But instead that whenever we hear the nudge, we say, God, what I have is yours. Let me give it to this person. The, the world Proverbs verse 11, chapter 11 and verse 24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. But when we hold on to our stuff, when we're owned by our stuff, we can't find life. Proverbs eleven twenty eight goes on and says, a life devoted to things is a dead life. A life devoted to stuff is a dead life, a stump, but a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Listen to, to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 32. An undisciplined, self-willed life is puny, <laughs> but an obedient, God-willed life is spacious. Proverbs 21 and 26, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. You see, when I open up my hands, God, whatever I have is yours. Just, just show me somebody to give something to. You see, all of a sudden, we do. All of a sudden, we listen because it's like, God, I, I, I want to hear who you want me to bless. Right? All of a sudden, we become mature and complete. Right? Part of maturity is being willing to give and give and give. Friends, Jesus never asked us to do something that he didn't do first. There's no better picture of generosity than Jesus himself. For he gave fully himself when some 2,000 years ago, nailed on a cross, he gave his life, not as a passive victim, but as an active redeemer. One who is actively doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. For in spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. Nothing more, nothing less that we would give the best of us for the glory of God and for the best of others. Friends, I want us to be mature and complete. And I want us to remember that's not a checkbox, but it's a journey that we get to go on together. And so far, my, my prayer is that God, God would help us to hear, that God would help us to see, God would help us to do, God would help us to give, God would help us to be so that we can become more like him. Let's pray. Daddy, thanks so much for all of the ways that you nudge us, for all of the whispers and the 
echoes of the divine language that is with, that's within us. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here this morning, whether they're online or here in person, they're listening on a podcast in a few days or weeks, God, my prayer is that, that we would become more like you. That you would give us the strength, that, that we don't have to bootstrap ourselves to being more like you. But we just have to open up our hands and receive it. Ephesians 2 says, even the faith that we have to believe is a gift. God, you are a gift giver. Would you give us the gift of maturity? Would you give us the gift of an adventure that would help us become more who you created us to be? God, we want to move from a checklist relationship to a dependence relationship. God, we want to move from it being all about us to it not being about us. God, we want to move from seeing community as optional to as required. God, in our disciplines, and we want to not just talk, but we want to hear from you every day. And anytime we see something beautiful, we want to go, that's from God. That anytime we see something good, that's from God. That anytime we see someone who captures just a glimpse of who you created them to be, that's from God. But we want to remove the boundaries and the limitations of what is of you. We want to expand them and we want to see you in everything. Every good and perfect gift is from you. How would you open our ears to hear the nudges? Now we want to move from simply studying the Bible to doing the Bible. God, that can be scary. I can only imagine some of the ways that you've been nudging us and we just haven't done it because it's too scary to forgive somebody. We've held on to the hurt for so long that we can't imagine life without it. It's become a teddy bear. It's an awful teddy bear, but it's a teddy bear. And for the person struggling with forgiveness this morning, would this be their nudge to go and do, to show mercy, for mercy triumphs over judgment for the one who's afraid to pray with their family would this be their nudge their invitation to lead to be a light not just for a dark world but to be a light in their home that when the when your little girl is afraid you wouldn't explain it away and say you have nothing to fear there's no monsters under the bed and said that would be a nudge an invitation baby let me pray for you because God is always with you even if I sleep in the other room God is right here with you even if your fear is of a monster under the bed one day that fear is going to be I'm making the right choice one day that fear is going to be a step of faith and you're going to pray with them today so they begin to build the foundation God is always with them. For that marriage that's on the rocks, 
hadn't had a real conversation in a while. When you're starting to think that maybe just throwing in the towel would be a little bit easier. Would this be your nudge? To depend on God fully. To open up your hands. To be vulnerable and to receive help from the community. No marriage is meant to happen in isolation. No life is meant to happen in isolation. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a church to raise a family to protect a marriage. God, I pray for the one who just wants to hold on tight to their stuff. Would this be their nudge? If you're gripping, you're tripping. To open up the hands. God, invite me into where you want me to be to do whatever you want me to do. What I have, it's yours. My money, it's yours. My time, it's yours. My talent, it's yours. My stuff, it's yours. And God, even as we say, yes, it's yours, now would you tune our ears? Put us on the right frequency. Would you give us the Google Translator better? Would you give us the God Translator, the Holy Spirit Translator? That now with our willingness we would see where you want us to deploy it. God, we love you. Thank you that you want us to be more like you. That you didn't cast us out or cancel us because we aren't. (laughs) But that you're faithful to help us become more like you. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.